makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Chasha. Greetings and good day and welcome. My relatives, I shake your hands with a good heart. This is a voice from Earth. It's good for all of us to be here. Today will be a good day. You're listening to First Voices Radio and Teokasin Ghost Horse, sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Asopus or what Americans and Dutch call the Catskill Mountains. Regardless, it is the highlands of the Asopus and the lands of the Muncie-speaking Lenape. This is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill is the producer of First Voices Radio. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as firstvoicesindigenousradio.org for archive, downloading, and listing. Our guest for the hour, Dr. Manuel Rosenthal, is a longtime Colombian activist, researcher, and community organizer. Manuel's been involved with grassroots political organizing with youth, indigenous communities, and urban and rural social movements for four decades. He's part of an initiative, Pueblos and Camino, peoples on a path with a mandate to weave autonomies and resistance between peoples. Our longtime First Voices friend and colleague in Colombia relays a message from the indigenous peoples of the jungle and tells a story untold when it comes to mainstream or alternative news. What is that story? Four Colombian children survived plane crash and 40 days alone in the Amazon jungle was the headlines. But these children were indigenous children who survived. Think about that. It's just a little different if they weren't indigenous. And now new details of their experience are emerging, especially from the indigenous point of view. So now we talk with Manuel Rosenthal. This is quite a situation in Colombia, and we get the mainstream news, CBS News, ABC News, World News, all that up here. And it, it seems to be painting a different story. And what I'm talking about is the four children who survived 40 days in Colombia, jungle reunited with families. You get that feeling after a while that that's not the whole story. If they were native and living in and they survived that long, they must have knew something about the jungle. But the story seems to be polished a little bit and they look for the hero. 
maybe there's a different story. And I think you, Manuel Rosenthal, would know that. And if you would kindly give us your thoughts on what really happened down there, what you think has happened down there uh, in Colombia. Oh, yes. I, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to share this. Of course, uh, as you know, uh, I won't tell the story. I'll make reference to the story because there's a much deeper story, a more profound story, one that many people think is long gone or uh, lies, witchcraft, who knows, uh, primitive stuff. But we, are, we have to be nicely slapped on the face by these happenings, facts. So I'll give you facts, and then, and then maybe you and the people listening to us and whoever else will help us uh, get a feeling for this, and then understand, grow with this. This is the story, facts. Uh, Manuel Ranoque is an indigenous uh, Witoto Araraquara from one of the most most remote untouched jungle regions in the Amazon. Now, this is uh, happening while evidence is coming out from the very same broad region of what is now Colombia, of an area called Chiribiquete. And now they have dated the paintings of indigenous peoples in this ancient geological formations in the midst of the jungle. They are outstandingly beautiful, huge rocks that could be close to a kilometer in height. And in those rocks, there are paintings made by the Jaguar people who have not contacted civilization. And these paintings are 20,000 years old. But the Amazon, according to Carlos Walter Porto Gonçalves, a magnificent geographer from Brazil, who has researched this, the Amazon is at most 12,000 years old. So the people of the Amazon precede the Amazon. In other words, the Amazon was created jointly between people and Mother Earth thousands of years, and through thousands of years, many more than the Gregorian calendar, which is only probably an eighth or even less than the entire history we're talking about or we're referring to right now. This context is very important. So Manuel Ranoque has to escape his community because he's threatened by a dissident command of the former FARC that are engaged in drug trade and drug trafficking and uh, in the area. He has to escape because his life is threatened. And so he, he runs into the jungle, but then he puts his family, his wife and his four children, uh, three girls and one boy. The girls are 14, Leslie, the, the oldest one. And then uh, there's a nine-year-old 
and there's an 11 month old and the only boy is four years old and his wife, the mother, into an aircraft where there's a total of seven passengers. The aircraft has to fly from Araraquara, that area, over to San Jose del Guaviare through untouched Amazonian jungle. People cannot even imagine what that means. I mean, it's the, the strongest, thickest, wealthiest biomass in the planet. The sun will not get into or through the trees. All kinds of animals and, and species live in there that have not and hopefully will never be discovered. So they have to fly over that on May the 1st, 2023. And then the pilot signals that he's in trouble and the plane is lost. May 1st. Uh, the president of Colombia orders the highest and more specialized commands of the strongest and more trained armed forces in this continent and trained and in alliance with the United States forces. A general who's in charge of the special commands and who's a, an airplane uh, air fighter he commands this whole operation and the president orders him find these children, which is a change from the usual. The former uh, presidents and the usual armed forces in this country would never have gone to try and save indigenous children in the jungle. They don't exist. They don't matter. In fact, and here's a background that is important, you and I talked about a massacre committed by the Colombian armed forces during the previous government presented as an attack against this same guerrilla force that threatened Manuel Ranoque. And it was the army who killed these people and with absolute impunity in the past. So now to have an armed commander and all the forces, Colombian forces looking for these children is a change. Nothing happens for until May 15th, 15 days in this jungle, where the commander of this group says, even with the best equipment, you will not survive in this jungle one week. With all the equipment and all, you cannot. Animals, uh, you get lost, there's no reference point, there's no light. It's very difficult to find food and to know where it is. On the 15th of, uh, of May, a dog uh, finds uh, the di uh, diapers and finds um, a passion fruit shelf that shows a child ate something. So they must be alive somewhere in the jungle two weeks later, which is already impossible. On the 17th of May, there's further evidence, but really far away from that same area, many kilometers away from the place where they found the fruit, which means they're alive, but they're also moving and moving fast and quickly within the thickest jungle. So uh, 
nothing happens, nothing really happens with this search operation, which continues while everybody's losing hope. The dog disappears. That dog, Wilson is his name, disappears in the jungle. Nobody knows where he is. And on the 8th of June, the news are out. The children have been found. They're alive. They're dehydrated. They're malnourished, but they're all well. So immediately there's an explosion worldwide showing that the coordination between the Colombian armed forces and indigenous peoples under the command of the armed forces led to this miracle as it is labeled. The children are transferred to a hospital, the military hospital in Bogota, and that seems to be the end of the story. The beautiful cooperation between the armed forces and the effort of the Colombian government. But there's news that explode. The obvious comes out and it comes from the jungle. And it's this. Sunday, this last Sunday, five days ago, indigenous guard that took part in this operation, close to a hundred and Eventually, the group reduced itself to about 20 because they could not tolerate the conditions of the jungle. Uh, indigenous guards from all over the country, but eventually from the Amazon, survived to look for the children and native elders that guided the entire process go to the national public television station and demand to be listened. And they produce the video images of the moment in which these children were found. And what comes out, facts, are these. Number one, a 14-year-old girl. These were three women, uh, three girls, and one boy, four years old. A 14-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl from the Amazon, kept these children alive for 40 days in the jungle, something that could not have been achieved even by the better trained and best trained uh, army personnel in the world. And this has been acknowledged by people everywhere and by the commander of the operation himself. Now, I will describe a little bit of the of, of what an indigenous guard named Nicolas, a native man from Araraquara, how he described this moment. He said, we went where the elder told us to go. He said, we were going to find them that day. We went in the direction he told us, and I was, I, we were ordered by the elders to do certain things when we found them. The first and foremost was for me to uh, hug them and sing an ancestral song calling for unity between the jungle and all creatures. The second was to smoke tobacco and to blow the smoke of the tobacco to the children. The third one was to hydrate them and make them know that we are family and the rest would follow and flow from them. 
I believed him. I could feel that day it would happen. And then suddenly I lift my eyes and there's a girl. She's scared of me. I tell her I'm family. We are family. And I name her grandmother, her auntie, her father. And so she recognizes me, runs towards me and hugs me. So I ask for the other ones. And she takes me a few steps away and up in the trees, high in the trees, she has nested the baby who's now 12 months old, was 11 months when the plane crashed. And the baby is wrapped in leaves and she has built a hammock in the trees and the baby is perfectly warm and in good condition. And then I see the little boy who's four years old, he's scared of me. But then he tells me two things. The first thing he says is, my mom died. And he starts crying. I saw her. And the second thing he says is, I'm hungry. I want to eat farinha and uh, a special sausage they make. So I hug him and I say, yes, she died. But your auntie is alive. Your grandma is alive. And we're, sorry, it's hard to tell this story. And uh, you're alive. So he hugs me as well. And we gather them all together. This is all recorded by them in their cell phones and not shown by the main, mainstream media until they expose it on Sunday. But they invite the commander of the armed forces to be with them. So he's there. And they put him in his place. They humbly thank him for his efforts. They humbly thank the armed forces for all the, the capacity they put into this. They tell him it's magnificent to show that people can cooperate, but then they make it very clear it wasn't the technology or the armed forces that made this miracle possible. It was something else. And then Late in the program, a few minutes later, somebody they have talked about, all of them in their testimonies, there's about 20 indigenous guards, they talk about the elder Rubio. And then suddenly they say, here he comes. And then a very humble man who dressed in simple clothes with a little cap on his head comes in with another elder. And then he, they ask him to talk and he doesn't. He signals to another elder and says he won't talk. The other elder says, look, there's a spiritual happening here and it has to be respected. And the elder doesn't wish to talk until the conditions are such that he can do it. So the testimonies come out and the expressions goes out. And Nicolas, Nicolas says... The same person who found them says, this is a message from Mother Jungle, from Mother Earth. There are humans who have a non-human spirit who are killing Mother Earth. And this is a message for them, to them. The jungle, Mother Earth is alive. And the, they, she wants us to give you this message. After a while, Rubio is asked to speak. 
So he picks up the microphone. He has very little Spanish. He, he takes his time to understand, but then his message is very clear. When he's being introduced by Gerson, the head of the, the commander of the indigenous guard, Gerson says, we, the guards, are the strength, the arms of the elders and the spirits. But the elders are the bridge between us and the spirit world. And it's them who guided us. So now I can introduce him. And then he cries. And he says, but first I have to tell you, he offered to give his life in exchange for the life of the four children. And somebody who can do that with regards to the spirit world is a real elder to us. And he, his voice breaks. He cries. This is on TV. He cries and he says, my deepest respect, our deepest respect to this elder. And then the elder speaks and he says, we drink the special medicine. It's called Yahe. The one we drink from that region of the Amazon is very special. And we don't drink it in groups. We drink it alone. So I had the medicine in the jungle when everybody thought everything was lost because I knew from the medicine that they were alive. So I saw the master, the elder, the chief, my boss. I saw him. I talked to him. And he said to me, the father hasn't tried or hasn't achieved reaching me. The family hasn't reached me. Why are you bothering me if you're not even family? What do you want from me? Stop getting in the way. So I tell him, I want them alive, their family. I beg you to keep them alive. I offer you my life. He answered, I'll give them to you, only to you, but you will pay for this. It will be in exchange for something because they got into a place where no human should be. That shouldn't be touched by you people who destroy everything, and particularly by the military. I don't want them here. He threw me against a tree. I fell through a floor. I stood up and I said, okay, you and I will deal with the consequences later. Help me find them. I accept what you say. So the next day, I knew where they were, and I told them where to go. As he's speaking, he's crying. He, he breaks down and he says, and then he tells the commander of the armed forces, get out of the jungle. I'm warning you. This will have consequences. Leave. Get out of there. So... Then they speak to the grandmother, and the grandmother in an interview explains, uh, Leslie, the girl, was brought up like she should in the jungle. So they're expected to spend three, four days in the jungle on their own. They have to learn what to eat, what to avoid, how to avoid big animals, which uh, kinds of snakes are dangerous and which ones are not and how to be grateful and respect the spirits in the jungle. She was rebellious and she used to get out to the jungle and play on her own. 
And I think now, she said, that helped her because she was developing the strength and the power to deal with this. Then Leslie begins to talk. She said very little. She did a drawing, and in the drawing you can see Wilson the dog, the jungle and a big river. So that was the spirit that connected with them and saved them, the dog. The dog has not been found. It's in the jungle. It may have sacrificed for them. And then Leslie said, we were escaping the military. We fear the military. They threaten my dad and they bring war to us. So that's the story in essence for now, plus one more message. There was one woman amongst the indigenous guards, only one, and she's from there, from Putumayo. So they ask her to speak. She comes to the front in the set, she sits down, she's a very lively, young, uh, beautiful woman, and she transmits happiness. They're just arriving from the jungle, they're exhausted from this ordeal of 40 days that most of the indigenous guards and most of the army didn't tolerate. So she says, they treated me well, the other men cared for me and I want to, to I have to express my gratitude to the, the other guards, they treated me well, they cared for me and that's first and foremost. And then I have to say that th this is a message. If a girl survived in the jungle and saved four children because of her knowledge of the jungle, our knowledge has to be respected. The spirit of the jungle has to be recognized because it was the spirit of women and the spirit of the jungle that saved them. And it is impossible impossible to survive with modern science or army technology, but it was possible with our knowledge, women's and spiritual. And so I commit ourselves or women, I have three children that I love, I commit ourselves to recovering and rescue every single one of the indigenous children that are right now in the streets of the cities in Colombia and elsewhere, because we have to rescue them and take them back to their knowledge, their wisdom, their respect for their, their own past and their own lives. And this we are committed to. Then the other guards give her a sweater that they brought for her as a gift. And she takes it, gives it to the commander of the armed forces, the general, and tells him, I want my wish to come true. I want you to give Leslie this sweater and just tell her she's an elder and she's teaching us. So this message speaks for itself. It doesn't require any explanation. If, if we don't want to listen to the living jungle, to the spirit of women, indigenous women tied to the land, to the strength of the elders that can listen to the spirit of the jungle, we will not survive. This is not an episode of a Colombian jungle. This is an episode of Mother Earth, the Amazon, and the message to humanity as a whole. We either recognize, respect, 
the weaving of people with nature and with Mother Earth, the spirits that live, still live and protect Mother Earth, or we will disappear. The question is, are we capable of listening to this message that was given from this territory? It's very powerful and it is now. That's what I know. And we'll return with our fascinating story with our guest, Dr. Manuel Rosenthal, about the four surviving children who were indigenous in the Amazon, a story untold. This is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokazin Ghost Horse. Thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. My name is Teokas and Ghost Horse as we continue with the indigenous children who knew something more than what the mainstream alternative media is telling us. A story unanimously true when it comes to knowing the messages of Mother Earth. And now we continue the second half with Manuel Rosenthal. No words here. I want to feel what you're saying, Manuel. That story of surviving the media, the government, the military, the te- technology, the modernity that we're all are being encouraged to or forced to live with and maybe even through. And I think look to the people that have to live through this modernity are the people that you just talked about, the people of the jungle. And as you say, it, it was, a, the elder said, the spiritual moment, as you said, I'm really intrigued by that. We have prophecies in the north here saying almost the same things those will be those who will be basically i'm paraphrasing those who are living in the cities are like empty shells and they will not survive because they've lost relationship you find the word connection used a lot because they don't understand relationship connection is more of a technical word like you have to be plugged in and so that differences in language really means a lot and when you talk about you know, the children and basically being homeless and, and in the streets and things. I could see that in the city. And unfortunately, a lot of Native people here are like that. And that started in the 50s with a lot of displacement, take people from their homelands and put them into cities and to become citizens of the modernity. The Native elders is one premise. It's one spine it's one base it's it's a seed of native people at least as i know in the western hemisphere and it sounds from what you're presenting is that a lot of us as indigenous peoples are actually forgetting that and that story you just told me just reached it was very visceral there was a deeper understanding and that's why i say there's no words to really explain it but i'm using this language 
to try to, because of radio and because for, for me to try to get the story out to people who are believing just the, the shallowness of mainstream media, that's the difference. It's a story that we don't hear about anymore, but this is the deeper meaning of the story. And, and this is very fascinating. It's very spiritual. It changed something as I speak. And I hear you, and I, I hear what the natives are saying there. And what we can say, if I use my Western mind, that sounds like science fiction. It sounds like it's a movie. It does. And yeah. But you see what the West does with stories like this? They make things into myths. They make things into movie. They say, let's get the word out. But the word is only shallow. But the deeper meaning is that story started, as you say, 20,000 years ago. And 12,000 years ago, the people created the Amazon. And that's the truer story that we've been here so long. And to understand that, it would frighten a modern mind from Columbus on, my friend. No, no, it, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And I, I what I... There's so many things we have to realize from this. One is the movies will come out and they probably won't respect or recognize what you just mentioned. And they won't respect or recognize these people. You People have to realize we're talking about the most ignored, the most impoverished, the most abused, the victims of racism in this country, people in the Amazon in the past, in Colombia, were legally hunted like animals. And these people have kept the knowledge of the Amazon. Now, just to put it in perspective, the Nukak, who are uh, people who refuse to make any contact with anybody till about 20 years ago, and who, as a consequence of that, are now at the risk of extinction, were part of these guard and these elders that sought for these girls to rescue them. And uh, the, the Nukak, they, who ha have suffered from this being civilized, they were told by governments that they were going to be given an appropriate amount of land because it was unacceptable to have a community of a thousand or two thousand live in thousands of hectares or square kilometers of land. And their response was one Nukak saves a thousand kilometers of jungle. A thousand of you destroys millions of kilometers of jungles. So what do you prefer? So this is what's coming out. And then every single indigenous person buried in the cities, in poverty, in, in, as beggars, in alcoholism, in self-destruction, is this wisdom that we need for survival, we, everyone, we as humanity need for survival, Rockefellers, Trumps, we need this knowledge and wisdom for survival. This is our true history. 
not 2023, not 2000 years, but thousands of years of weaving ourselves with Mother Earth with the help and guidance of a spirit world, because we don't have a better word to know them, which is the strength, the wisdom that Mother Earth has and that leads it into existence and us to be part of territories and cannot survive not being part of territories. So I would like to say that I want to thank the Leslie and the children that survived. I want to thank the people of the Amazon and the Jaguar people who are still painting in Chiribiquete while nobody has seen them. They still paint. They have been doing it for 20,000 years and they still do it and nobody has contacted them. They know how to live there. And I want to thank the indigenous guards, the elder Rubio for his knowledge. I want to thank the wisdom of Nick who persist and persevere and protect the world that will be and will have a future if we tell the real story and not the movie that Hollywood will try to make. And this is why it is so wonderful to have a space like First Voices and an elder like you who's open and who knows what this means. Thank you for, for all of that. And this is truly a message from Earth. It's the bigger message that the indigenous peoples there carry. And even the dog that was involved, it's, it's such a pivotal being to help that little family survive, but also to sacrifice. As that elder said, that he would sacrifice his life so that the children survive also, as you said. Yeah. And along the lines of this, again, the non-human is recognizing this shell that what is that about is taking land so that the consciousness of these indigenous peoples is no longer there. And when, when you're completely severed from that consciousness, yes, you end up in cities and you kind of make up a life to try to survive in native people. And think about this, Manuel, native people do not have a survivor's language. Survivor's language came over the ships because of what was going on in Europe. And they brought their survivor's language, their language of fear, and instilled it on taking lands. And so that became property. So the idea of property to me is a non-human thought process. So that's what's going on in South America as well as the rest of the world. So there was a, to me, there we speak about that, that Wendigo spirit, as you know, and that greed, that non-human way of living and, and ignoring the message from earth. And when, when we are talking about the indigenous peoples living in the city or existing in the cities, they learn the survivor's language. And, and that's one of toxicity, mm -hmm. if I can be so critical. We are being taken away from our natural language and being taught a technical language, which is, has nothing to do with spirit. And we can rationalize all we want to say, well, that's part of the human progress. But that's even a Western way of thinking because progress means before 1492, 
um, the evolution of humans without thinking about, you know, that we came from the ape, which is a Western idea too, is that we've all, we are been here, earth needs us, but earth needs certain type of indigenous peoples. And I know that won't go across well on the (laughs) airwaves, but the earth needs certain human beings who are just not human doings. Yeah. I, I, thank you for thank that. You. In fact, I, I, one, one thought is there are many indigenous leaders in Colombia now who are trying to take advantage of these events uh, that we've talked about and described today in order to make gains within government within power structures, even wealth, even within mainstream media and the show business. And that's, as you say, these are other types of beggars in the streets. These are other types of survivors within the world of the other ones. These are people who unfortunately and painfully have accepted a price on our lives as if life could have a price on it as if it was merchandise whereas those who went to rescue these children those who went to bring her back them back from mother jungle the girls who learned for from thousands of years of women's knowledge about the jungle, and that was expressed concretely, unarguably, through Leslie and the other children, uh, cannot be bought. There's no price you can put on them. You can naturally now turn Leslie into a Hollywood actress. That might happen, but that won't be Leslie anymore. That won't be the Jaguar people anymore because the Jaguar people have refused to contact this world because it kills. And yes, when you say some type of native indigenous peoples are needed, that is not a racist, elitist statement, but quite the opposite. We all need to go back to being weavers, of Mother Earth. We weave Mother Earth when she tells us how to do it, when we again become part of it. This is not my wisdom. This is what is being said to us. This is the message that Rubio, the elder, received from an angry spirit that told him he would pay for what? for the fact that the the mother jungle was taking back its creatures because they belonged to her and nobody should get in there to damage it. And so they should pay for that. But then because he asked them for their families and because they were respectful of them, then he said, yes, I'll give them back to you, but you have to pay a price. And one has to understand it's not an abusive authority who's saying this, it's the protector that we need 
to remove ourselves from the survivor mentality and go back to the dignity and the power that links us to the spirit of life. And in that line, you had in your program Maria Blanco, the daughter of Hugo Blanco. I have to say something about Hugo right now. Hugo Blanco has decided to die four days ago. He's at a hospital in Sweden under the care of his daughters. He's 88. I talked to him last Sunday from the bed in the hospital. And he, sa he said, I will not make it to 90, smiling. And it doesn't matter. I will go. The struggle for freedom will keep going. This is a man who was not born native. He was born white in Cusco, and he decided and elected to speak a native language and to become an Indian when that meant being rejected and abused and mistreated. He helped native people to organize the largest land recovery in the history of this continent in Peru. He calls himself an Indian. His life doesn't fit any book or any biography. He, he did 16 hunger strikes for different reasons and to the brink of death. I won't go into his life. I'll just say this. Hugo said uh, the other day, it's time for me to go. I have to rest now. Uh, this will be my last hunger strike. He's only drinking sips of, of liquid. He's singing songs. He's perfectly conscious. He, he wants to go. He taught me a lesson. We come from the Incas. They were already structured and civilized. The people I love and admire are the Amazonians because they are savages. The savage understands the birds, knows the snakes, knows lives in the jungle. I'd rather be a savage. Well, that wise savage is here with us now, ending a life that will not end because he is already part of the spirit. So I want to honor him here, and you did already before. I'd like to say goodbye to his body and welcome to the constellation where he inhabits with the spirits. Echetuelo, it is so and so it is, we say in our language, and um, there's nothing to add to that. It's just clear. The message to me, whatever people get out of it, is is deeper than what we can think of conceptually. And I want people to feel what you just said and what the people even, there's many stories about non-natives becoming an adopted member of the, the people. And they see and they don't want to, to, to leave once they, they feel the, their own human being, their own indigeneity with these the, the indigenous peoples. But I want to just keep expressing the fact that the message from the earth comes in a, a beautiful way to me from these children through the elder um, Hugo Blanco, through Rubio, through yourself and your experience there at the land has treated you well, has given the message through your feet. 
and and now you you've the energy comes from that heart through your feet to the heart and it's always about earth but it's always a pleasure and beautiful all always to talk with you manuel thank you so much for this message thank you thank you and i hope we contribute to those voices and that wisdom to come up thank you And that was Dr. Manuel Rosenthal, who is a longtime Colombian activist, researcher, and community organizer who's been involved with grassroots political and organizing with youth, indigenous communities, and urban rural social movements for four decades. He's part of an initiative, Pueblos in a Camino, which is peoples on the path with a mandate to weave autonomies and resistance between peoples, and reported on the story of four indigenous children surviving in the jungle for 40 days and actually knowing how to do that were recently found alive and well. The story untold. This is First Voices Radio. My name is Teoksin Ghost Horse. And again, thank you very much for joining First Voices Radio. You, you can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprouts, Spotify, as well as First Voices, indigenousradio.org for archive downloading and listening just to remind you, the First Voices IndigenousRadio.org website is currently being worked on and we'll have a, a newer website as soon as we finish it. Who knows when it will be, but it will be soon. Easier access, easier reading, and you can actually do the same downloading and listing stories behind the stories as we just had with Manuel Rosenthal and the, the surviving four children in the Colombian jungle of Amazon. Thank you for joining us. I'll see you again eventually, surely. And we're going to finish First Voices Radio with a 20-year-old Dene man from the new album, Singing Into Darkness, to be released June 30th. And I would like to say this correctly, H-A-T-A-A-L-I-L, so any Dene or Navajo people, please correct me. I'm going to try it. Hatali, Hatali, meaning laugh out loud.
Thank you. 